Welcome to Neoweek Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Neoweek, the number one news and community platform for the Neo Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At neoweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. Hello, sir Nate. <clears throat> Thank you for joining early. Let me just bring you up as a speaker. Oh, he's out. Hello, sir Nate. <clears throat> Thank you for joining early. Let me just bring you up as a speaker. Oh, he's out. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Can you hear me good? I can hear you fine, sir. How are you? Living the dream. I am living the dream. And you? I am fantastic. We just wrapped up a meetup here in Melbourne. Feels really good to see people in person again. And the community's coming back alive. Ah, been wanting to surf uh, Bells Beach for a long time. Uh, that's right out in front of Melbourne, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's a little way out. Um, did, have you have you served in Bells Beach before? No, I've uh, just made it as far south as Sydney, but did the whole uh, Gold, Gold Coast one time. From way up north to the Great Barrier Reef, got a camper van and drove the, uh, the Gold Coast. Quite fun. Oh, nice. Because I was going to say, dude, Bells Beach is intense. Like, it, th- that's the famous one because it's called the coral reefs that, like, stand out, like, near the near the front. Like, you have to surf over them or you'll die. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a crazy one when it comes to surfing. I'll show you some photos of my uh, previous life. Nice. Nice. Do you get to do much of it in Portugal or... Yeah, there's actually one of the world's best waves is just uh, 15 minutes from my area. So it's a, it's a good spot. I think it's one of the, nice. they have a declared world surfing reserve. So very exciting. Very jealous. What about you, sir, Joe? Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Or good evening. Thanks so much for making the time. I know it's very early in the U.S. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Whoa, really waking up. Are you Pacific or are you, where are you located? I'm East Coast. So it's not too early, but it's, it's early. Isn't it nice, though, the morning? You have your cup of coffee. There's nobody's bugging you. It's, uh, I, I like the, the wee early hours. I do. Um, at this point, though, my children are now getting up, so it's no longer quiet and peaceful. But it's... Uh, 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 yeah, I do. I do appreciate the early morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I messaged uh, Caroline saying like, hey, can you please make sure that Nate shows up? 
she was like, yeah, he's, uh, I think she said, I don't know, taking the kid to preschool or something, but I'll let you know when he comes back. And I was like, oh, our family life, I miss that. Our kid goes to <laughs> forest school. It's the craziest thing. We dropped him off at like a legit kindergarten. It was like the Vietnam War. There's like babies screaming and crying. It was just, just horrendous. We took him out and stuck him in this new thing called the forest school. He literally is in the forest all day long. A little toddler, almost two years old, just kind of like walking around, playing with sticks and rocks with these other little toddlers. It's the most amazing, peaceful thing I've ever seen. Wow, that really does sound amazing. I wish I could go back and be a child. I'd be your child. That's weird. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would be my own child too. I, I'm very jealous of my child's childhood. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, we for the new people joining, thanks so much. We're going to wait for a couple more minutes. Just a really quick introduction. I discovered the Mintbase wallet at the Jakarta airport on my way to near APAC. And I was completely blown away by the onboarding experience. It was used by hundreds of people in Vietnam. And I've been having conversations with people, including Joe, as to how it can be used across the ecosystem. So today we've got Nate, Joe, and Plug maybe joining us to try to unpack not only what the wallet is, how it works, but also the implications for the broader ecosystem. Let's get to mass adoption! Please! <laughs> I love how we're in three different continents and our energies may not be matching. Joe, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all this stuff all the time, so uh, I'm ready. Beautiful. I sadly became aware a little bit too late. We do have a clashing space with Red Finance. So what we'll do is we'll wait one more minute and then go on. And then Jared and I are conspiring to edit this uh, audio into you know all the formats so that people can still catch up even if they're not live. How does that sound? Neat. Beautiful. So what we'll do is Let's start with a speaker's introduction. Who are Nate and Joe? Two-minute sentence. Uh, I'm a builder mostly. Uh, switched into CEO and now managing a team of 17 crankers. Uh, we call ourselves crankers because we crank all day and crank all night and build and really try and keep the focus. That's why a lot of times I think Mintbase isn't really in a lot of the forums or kind of cruising around the main spaces. We are hyper-focused. So that is me. Uh, and we're here still cranking. I hope that that's a good introduction. I think that's a great introduction. You, you guys certainly have been putting out a ton of stuff lately. So I, it, whatever you're doing, it's working. Um, Same to you. <laughs> I'm Joe. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm Joe. I'm uh, I'm one half of the uh, Shardog and Ready Layer One team. Um, Shardog is a Web three marketing platform that we're building out. Um, and yeah, I'm just uh, I'm a developer as well. So any technical stuff I can uh, talk about as well. Lovely. Welcome. And I am uh, the man behind the mic, AVB. I don't know how the uh, images are arranged in your screen, but yeah, my other account is just below mine. I'm very excited to have you both. Nate, your humility is always overwhelming. 
You've been around since the Ethereum days. Minbase starts as an ETH project. You've been through many awakening moments, realizing what the technology needs to reach to mass adoption. And I believe that takes us to today. Before we start unpacking the two different products that we actually saw at Near APAC, um, those being the new Minbase wallet and the Minsta application. I'm not sure if that's still the, the name. Can you maybe give us a little bit of insight on how building core infrastructure mostly around NFTs led to the realization that onboarding was the area where you really should be focusing on? Yeah, I didn't want to build a wallet. I really didn't want to build a wallet. I really didn't want to build a wallet. I don't know how to say that so many times. I think the real genius of blockchain like, is that other people are handling different parts of the stack and we can just leverage them to figure out those parts. And that was my kind of hope, but we're kind of getting to this new phase of our uh, existence at Mintbase where we've fully doubled, triple, and quadrupled down on near. We were still struggling with this whole onboarding thing. So Mintbase back in the day, we were always doing activations on Ethereum. We did uh, early, the earliest known existence of NFT ticketing for Metacartel in 2019, NFT NYC ticketing. We did activations in the middle of Berlin. We were always using the tech, um, but we kind of got stuck on this one massive problem, which is the painfulness of needing to have near in order to even connect to a DAP and then to have near to even initiate or do anything. And then there's also the seed phrase uh, painfulness, right? Uh, people are having to go in, save seed phrases, figure out how that stuff works. So to us, we were just like, even if we do this grants program, we get everyone excited. The volume on Nier isn't exactly extraordinary. You really can't leverage the fact that you think other people are going to go out to a Coinbase, go buy some Nier and start using our apps because that just never came, right? There wasn't a mass movement where everyone wanted to buy Nier to go use dApps and start building infrastructure things. Uh, so now in this current market reality, we're kind of thinking, great, we have all this technology with the thinking that if everyone had near, they could do crazy, amazing things. But now we know that they don't have near. How do we basically bridge that gap? So we kind of did a deep dive into, well, long story short, we tried to get a user to, to be able to mint on ChatGPT, figured out how to do that, accidentally built our own FastAuth system, almost identical to how FastAuth is working. And we're kind of going, aha, all right, now we're, we're getting somewhere and we're actually leveraging Nier's account abstraction system at its core correctly. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that we have this really different game-changing account system on Nier that doesn't seem like a lot of the wallets are really leveraging it to its fullest extent. They're kind of just mimicking the same structure as what we had on Ethereum or anything else. Sir Nate, that is crazy indeed. And I'm going to have to apologize because I know that I sent the speakers an agenda that we may or may not follow. I didn't <laughs> even read say it. Those <laughs> oh, fantastic. Then we're free balling. Love it. Yes. The thing that I found fascinating is that I did wonder, as soon as I used the main base wallet, A, how does this compare with fast off, quote unquote? I may have actually texted a few people like, is there a beef between the two? And the second point is also really interesting. And here I'd love to get Joe's input on 
what are those core primitives in near that allow you to build something and what happens if you know the the pieces in the stack are not leveraging those things like for instance the existing wallets for night you built your own but i'm wondering <laughs> whether that lack of you know utilizing the near stack to its full extent is also um expressing itself in, in other parts it's, it's super easy like uh the next version of Mintbase wallet either this week or next week you'll be able to export keys and import keys so if you want to import other random near wallets you won't have to use our extension you know nate.minfus.dear you can import nate.near with your seed if you say f the Mintbase wallet you know i can export the keys uh generate a seed phrase, uh, import that into Meteor, and remove Mintbase's uh, um, keys. And the, those keys are not stored by Mintbase. Those keys are literally stored on your passkey. So Mintbase actually never sees that private key generation system, which is kind of skipping this whole Web2 bullshit of needing password managers. Uh, because password managers are also kind of crazy when you think of it, right? I have one password that basically generates thousands of random passwords that if someone hacks that one password, then everything goes kaput. That's pretty bananas. Um, but the way we're doing it is, okay, Nier's goal is like you have your account, Nate.Nier. I can create as many public and private keys as I want. Uh, I can have certain level of authorization on each one of those keys, whether it's full to make a signature transaction happen no matter what, or I won't go deep into that world, but basically you can add or remove keys. And this is the core of what uh, Nier's account system is. On Ethereum, they are struggling because they have these things called EOAs, which is just a normal account. And then there's uh, smart contract uh, contracts. It's a whole different account. You can't mix the two together. And so their whole goal is to basically completely remove the normal EOA accounts, which is what you use with like MetaMask. And switch to this whole new paradigm shift, which is this is how we should be doing uh, smart contract uh, signatures. So we get this out of the box. Ethereum's gonna have the struggle of having to like move the entire ecosystem away from EOAs. And so all these dApps are gonna kind of have to say, well, we no longer really uh, think that this EOA account is the right direction. You can only use these other different account abstraction uh, contract account addresses and so i think they're going to actually struggle a lot harder um in the long run versus we just get it out of the box add remove keys it's it's a, that's it nick there is one thing and joe i hope that you're getting some quality time with the kids i'll jump to you in just one minute <laughs> there is one juxtaposition that i'm trying to make sense of on the one hand i understand that nearest primitives make what you your team built almost by accident possible. But what I'm also struggling to understand is why didn't Pagoda build it? Because for context, for people listening, Fastwolf has similar functionality, but it has some features such as exporting the private key, you know, months overdue. That functionality makes it very limited to do onboarding. So for instance, if you do onboarding through near.org now, you can get a free account. You don't have to see a seed phrase. But because you're not able to use that same account with another wallet, it's basically, you know, locked to one application, which, I mean, I've been personally been onboarding people through other layers. So um, I'm really curious as to 
what did your team figure out that Pagoda didn't? Or is it maybe that they haven't prioritized it and it's just not that complicated? Like, is there something there that I'm missing? Uh, we're piggybacking off of probably four months of their research. We got to start uh, a little bit later on. We are actually using one of their libraries uh, that they open source, which is a biometric uh, path key converter, which is kind of the, oh, shoot. That's, I think that that was a lot of the, the, the tougher work that we're utilizing. So I think it's, a, it's a, a both system. So at first we were like, okay, let's just do meta transaction relayer and save private keys onto Google Cloud. And then eventually we'll have a one-click solution that allows them to remove our access and then uh, they can generate the private keys on their own, which is pretty much fully custodial up until, you know, it's not, you know, um, but then we saw this library that Pagoda actually built. So credit to them, which is this uh, pass, pass key saving library. So that, that was our, our switch. Um, as far as uh, why aren't they able to export keys yet? I, I can't, can't tell you. Thanks so much for giving them credit and also for directing other developers on the space to go check out these libraries. I have already been cut funding from GWG and Marketing DAO. So, yeah, I feel like shitting on Pagoda today would officially be the end of my near journey. But, <laughs> um, Joe, I want to hand over to you just to get the developer experience. Shardog has been on a wild journey. And one of the things that I'm eagerly looking forward to in Shardog is the introduction of more wallets. I know that at the moment, new wallet generations are still going through my near wallet. So yeah, let's try to come at it from the other angle. What has your experience been onboarding people, dealing with the wallet landscape, and what were your first impressions when you came across the Mint-based wallet? Yeah, awesome. Um, so I, I think it's it's funny to hear, you know, Nate talk about like as they go through their journey of like uh, I don't want to ever have to deal with a wallet, and now here you are, um, because in our short time, like we've had the same conversations of like you know, like, we don't want to have to make a wallet, but are we going to have to make a wallet? Um, thankfully, Mintbase is uh, doing this for us. So uh, I can kind of hopefully avoid that piece. But it is something that I think when you look at the landscape of building a DAP and you're building an ecosystem that, like, you need to have more flexibility and more opportunities to allow your users to do stuff right out of the box without having to jump through these different hurdles. And I, and I, I could see exactly why finally, you know, Minbase decided, Hey, let's, let's make this wallet for us. Um, you know, it really has been about support uh, for shard dog is that, you know, I've had a lot of really great talks with the meteor team who also run my near wallet um, about like being able to support some of the things that we need to support um, then for us to function correctly. Uh, it's important that we have a certain expectation of user experience on Shardog, and that's about speed, it's about ease of use. Um, and so going to certain wallets where they could get hung up was always very concerning for us. Um, so we do support Meteor Wallet um, now, and so a lot of our drops are starting to go to that. Um, but um, we, can, we can give a little alpha here for people who are listening. Um, we our first big activation that's going to be using Mintbase Wallet is actually going to be at ETH Milan coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, we're doing a big uh, project with the Creatives DAO 
and with some other people who are going to be leveraging mint based wallet instead. And what was exciting for us to actually start to use them and that wallet is uh I'd had some great side conversations with Luis about, you know, some of the stuff that he's been working on over there and seeing the flexibility that was built into the wallet was super attractive to us. Um, that was something that was really important. That's why we had thought about making our own wallet at one point because we needed that flexibility. And, you know, all the things that we need right now, um, the MinBase wallet supports. And so, or is going to support, especially with like the key export and all those things. And so um, that's that was really great to hear. And that's why we're going to do a, a pretty big launch uh, at ETH Milan with, with this. Yeah, the flexibility side is super important. <laughs> I feel like this is the witch, the lion, and the wardrobe. We've got the founder, the dev, and I. I'll wear the hat of the of the end user. <clears throat> During your APAC, I, I had the joy and the pleasure to just stand by the Cafe Cartel booth, watch Escobar mint out like ten thousand coffees. Kudos to him, but also. I was just watching all these students go through the shard dog flow. And there were several things that stood out and, and we have feedback to the team and they improved really rapidly. But one of them was the lack of flexibility of the current flow. And some of the team members didn't realize, but when you start to um, dig into it, it becomes really obvious. Like for instance, the once you hit the create a wallet flow, it is a standard my new wallet creation flow. Like there's no custom text. Like for instance, you can't tell the user what is going to happen. Hello, hope you're enjoying your APAC. You're about to create your first wallet. Get excited. You can change the background to have an image of, you know, David Morris wearing his, his suit. Like there's just a lot of the details of the user experience where it's easier to lose the user because it's very cold. Like you don't have the customization. So I saw the, the main base wallet and that very simple flow already had, you know, a very different feel. It was customized. And yeah, I can only imagine what the possibilities are if you, if you start to, to tweak those things. So for instance, one thing, and Joe, maybe let me know if this can actually be done on the UI. Depending on the context, you know, if you're scanning at a conference, everyone is new and they just want to get a coffee, you can actually remove the claim NFT with an existing wallet because you know that 100% of people are going to be new wallets. And, you know, there's just so much more contextual information and like a rich experience that you can create for people in that specific context. By the way, if you, if you want user testers <laughs> to give feedback before ETH Milan, I'd love to check it out. Yeah, definitely. And I think, look, I think uh, near APAC was a great learning experience for us because I think there's like, there's two very different experiences where it's like, Hey, you can get a link and you can start to, you know, go through that process and onboard, you know, whether it's, you know, through you're on, on Twitter or on a, you know, uh, in a, in a meeting room or whatever, or just to see a link online. And then I think there's the real life version where you're at a conference, it's poor Wi-Fi, um, it's, you're trying to do something else as well. And so we needed to uh, adjust that. And where it was so many people all at once, it was the, the fastest, I guess, moving activation that we had been part of, where our iteration that we did from day one to day two focused around the things that you said. is like we cut out the wallet piece, right? So like you don't 
in the cartel link, uh, you actually never went to the wallet in, on day two. We got you your account, we got you your named account, and then we let you save it as, you know, kind of like the old style where the wallet would let you kind of like, like SMS yourself a link so you could log in later. And then we just let you kind of get on your way and we got you moving. But we still got you a named wallet. We still got you a way to get back into it. We're not holding the keys. It's still fully non-custodial. Um, but we didn't show you any wallet view because of what you said. Like there was, you know, it slowed things down. It's, you, you lost messaging. Uh, there was a lot of pieces there that needed to be adjusted. So that's kind of where we came at it for. Um, that's the work we're doing now with a lot of in-person activations. Like we have one today. Um, through Liberty Dow that is using the same setup, right? So like that IRL piece is like we can't uh, have you wasting time or getting stuck in a wallet view that we do not have control over. That hurts our experience um, because we don't have control over that. Where with Mint Base, you know, that's stuff that we talked about of being able to like, hey, you know, can we put in a slightly custom message at this one screen? You know, can we make sure that the redirect is doing you know what we want it to redirect back to and all these different pieces and that's why like we're able to use that and the more flexible wallets can be the more more that we can support but for us right now it's really coming down to like three wallets that we're going to be using well i should say two wallets and then plus the non-wallet solution of like it'll be mint base it'll be meteor and then it will be the no wallet so the you know just shard dog solution yeah, there's two messages. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an early shard dog adopter. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And we've done a lot of customization on the landing page. So, for instance, when you claim my shard dog, it tells you that it is an NFT series, timestamping the people building on year for that month. And that is really valuable to me. And I've worked closely with the shard dog team. But just to highlight where the deficiencies were or, or the friction that the main base wallet is trying to address. Once you click create a new wallet, the flow was no longer controlled by the Shardock team, or let's call it the onboarding team, maybe near APAC or East Milan. From that point onwards, until the wallet is fully created, it's fully controlled by the wallet. And up until now, there's been really no customization. There's two messages, Sergio, and you know we can crowdsource this. There's two messages that I think should be added uh, to the flow. And Nate, this could even be standard on the on the main base wallet uh, as we recommend it to people as we white label the solution. The first one is well, actually, this is not relevant to main base wallet, but for any wallet that does prompt a user to save their seed phrase, we should explicitly tell them that on near they can replace that private key, so they can take a screenshot, whatever they can, you know, replace it securely afterwards. That is huge, from nearcon to near APAC. It really changes the way that people interact with the seed phrase and the way that they treat the wallet. And the second thing is, <laughs> we should let them know that when the wallet is generated through Shardog, that we actually keep a list. This is fundamental for re-engagement. When students thought that they were basically creating a burner wallet to get a coffee, they were, you know, basically dismissing it straight away. But the minute that you tell them, like, hey, you know, I'll send you some near, we're going to have a list, we can re-engage people afterwards... We need to think of creative ways of how that user journey extends past the past the wallet creation. And I think that's where the customization comes in. So Nate, I have a question for you. Yep. Is the mint based wallet a wallet? <laughs> uh, okay, so what are what is a wallet, right? Um, my 
opinion, a wallet is just a relayer of messages. It's just literally a message like, hey, I built a transaction. What's a transaction on near? It's a JSON object that says these are, I want to mess around with this smart contract on this function. I want to put in these four parameters and that's, and you just move that message over to the chain and you get a quick signature. You pack, it packages a signature with that JSON object and that's, that's what a wallet is, right? So our job now is to figure out how super easy to package this JSON of a transaction. I want to mint 15 tokens on this contract with a picture of a dog with, uh, I don't know, a beer in his hand. And the wallet's job is to make that happen. Also to send funds into it if you, if you need to do that. So that said, yeah, I think uh, wallets of the future are just going to be message relayers um, and ways to grab and package the signatures. So I hope that answers your question. I am very glad that you understand things at this high abstraction technical level. <laughs> I may try to relay things back to you just to make sure that I understood it. When I first thought of the question, I was trying to ascertain whether the Mint-based wallet could be seen as an onboarding tool, like yes. you get people in super smooth, but then you can hand them over to other wallets. Like for instance, I use Meteor Wallet on my computer and I could be onboarded on my mobile phone through Mint-based wallet. So maybe there could be like a synergy there or, or like a handoff, or do you see it as a standalone wallet that would basically be the one that users stick for the rest of their journey yeah, on near 100 percent. we were in, thinking in the footer like basically doing switch to my other wallet have all the other wallets uh click back and forth yeah i mean the wallet really was built out of the need for a the ChatGPT connection and which is the onboarding solution uh but also b the stripe credit card uh connection so out of those two pieces uh yeah why not or being able to yeah, because, okay, so what is the wallet to Nate.near? I could have a wallet on Meteor uh, already connected. They might have a full access key. And I have a full access key on Mintbase as well, where you can do certain things on both different wallets. I guess, why why would you want to switch back and forth to other wallets? I, I don't really have an answer to that one quite yet. Yeah, that was a really interesting challenge. Um, Cameron Dennis asked recently on Twitter, like, why would anyone build on a layer two and then have issues with the centralized sequencers? My answer to that would be that basically nobody understands or cares about the centralized sequencers, uh, perhaps until it's too late. But Vadim's answer, and he's, you know, very, you know, like deep engineered. Vadim's answer was really interesting. He basically said, look, the reason why people prefer an L2 is because we don't have MetaMask on near. And at least the existing Web3 users are just too used to that experience and, and the Explorer and the account model. So I think that there may be a challenge of it may not be better, but it is what people are used to doing. So for instance, I love the main-based wallet because I can use biometrics and engage with a wallet on my phone like it is any other application. But on my computer, you know, I'm used to a browser extension. And maybe it's more visual, like like there is an interface that I engage with. You know, the main base wallet is beautiful because it's literally invisible. They just do things and sign things. Have you used it on so, a, yeah. on a desktop yet? 
I actually did. I've got three wallets. The the desktop one, the phone one, and the phone one not on private mode. <laughs> I just think that's crazy. You can just uh, use your biometrics on your computer and then sign it and then off you go. And then being able to use... So for me, the, the true like mind-bending piece is it really solves the phone internal browser nightmare. If anyone has ever... Uh, basically gotten a link on Telegram and then tried to open up their browser from that link. And then all of a sudden, hey, I'm already signed in. I swear I put it in my seed phrase into the Chrome Myneer wallet. Like why, why doesn't that uh, follow? Because you're in the internal browser of uh, Telegram. Same thing goes for the mail app. That's why magic links are a nightmare. Because every time you open up your mail, you have to use the app actually within the mail app uh, to put in the seed phrase. Are you guys following that? Maybe internal browser stuff? Uh, yes, to some extent. Um, okay, no, that's interesting. I, I guess that if, if you do see the main-based wallet as, you know, owning the full lifecycle of the user, to me, there's two questions there, and I'd love to get Joe's input because I believe that Shardock is also working on a solution. The first one would be whether it is going to compete with existing wallets. Uh, but the second one would be whether the competition is actually going to come from the other side. Like, would it make sense for every wallet in the near ecosystem now to basically integrate, you know, this Pagoda's open source library and reach the same level of user experience that main-based wallet has? And in that sense, we could say that it's not that main-based wallet experience. It is the near full capacity experience. I think choice is probably the most important, right? It shouldn't be us to say our wallet should be for everybody and anything. Like, have your choices, maybe use one wallet more for another thing on your mobile versus your desktop. Like it's just, I like, I like the wallet selector system being able to just add those other different wallets into everybody's pieces. So the answer is, yeah, it's, it's up to the user to figure that out. Right, Joe? Yeah, I, I was going to say something similar to that. I mean, I think it's about choice and I don't think there's ever going to be one wallet that fits all the, the scenarios. And I think it's going to be about really highlighting that it's how easy it is to switch between things and how easy the account model is. Um, so I think as more that we focus on being allowing people to actually switch between and use whatever they want is going to be the better user experience long term. Fantastic. So I think that we've covered uh, the basics of the wallet. We'll try to have some time at the end so that people want to jump on and ask some questions. We can do that. I'd like to have a really quick preamble of what the yeah. full near APAC experience was, and then we can use that to start discussing what comes next. Like, can people integrate the main base wallet into their applications, or you know, what are you guys working on? So the near APAC was the should I call it the, the evolution of Minsta. Minsta made its first appearance during NearCon last year. It enabled users to take photos with a mobile phone, and the photos were posted in a, in a shared feed. Um, Nate, can you give us some insights into the return of Minsta and how the, the main-based wallet was integrated into it? Because if I recall correctly, it is the second integration, actually. Is that correct? Yeah, this is the third one. We did ETH Denver as well. Um, so to me, the most important thing that really uh, near APAC really delivered for us is the aha moment is this is the first activation we've done at Mintbase 
uh, that we didn't have to be there for. We didn't really have to train anyone to do stuff. We didn't have to like walk people through things. We just literally, we launched it for Rocky, for uh, Rock Bid Banden, uh, an Indian holiday where people actually took pictures of their bracelets. So this is the fifth act activation actually. Um, and then that week, all of a sudden we got a contact from uh, the near Vietnam folks. And they said, oh, that was amazing. Can we like do the same thing for near APAC? It starts in like three days. And I was like, uh, shoot, <laughs> it's three days to repackage this whole thing. Let's see. And that was really the, the magical piece is we were able to repackage the entire thing, set up a meta transaction relayer uh, and redeploy a whole new app within three days. And we didn't have to train anyone and we didn't have to be there to activate it. People found it fun and exciting without our team running around saying, hey, why don't you try this mint base wallet thing? Like take a selfie with you. We didn't have to do any of that. People just figured it out. So this is like scalable, right? The very first thing that we've done probably in MintBase's history for five long, long years that we could just say, I don't know, you guys find value in it, see what you do. Uh, we gamified it so that the, the folks who, whoever takes the most photos actually ranks up into the leaderboard. And that's where you really start to see folks kind of having fun with the system. The top three get a prize. And this is where we can start getting into other games. We're actually pitching uh, SailGP uh, right now my goal is to, let's say you have folks on the shoreline uh, taking selfies at the race. Um, and then they have all these little activations at the actual race where you can go onto a boat and go actually out to go see the boats while they're racing. So my theory is let's take a bunch, get a bunch of people who can take photos. They can compete. The highest ranking photo, uh, the more photos someone takes, will actually get access to these sort of extra features uh, to go into the past. And once you master that, then why can't we do tickets, right? If we can onboard someone from zero to taking selfies and minting photos, then we're now into this new ball game of we can totally do ticketing like very easily. So scalable. I just shared the link to the near APAC feed. By the way, I tried sharing a photo um, a few days later. Um, I went out for dinner with someone from the foundation and uh, minting was close yep we, we do that i dude honestly i think that you found product market fit everyone's got their own definition but it took me a solid day or more to figure out that the the main base wallet was like the onboarding at the near booth like all these kids were walking past the near booth scanning with their phones if you've got good attention to detail you can actually find a photo that I took and shared where it's funny because there's kids, you know, uh, sort of like bending over the computer, you know, uh, signing up, wearing an Algorand t-shirt. Huh. <laughs> and then on the screen at the back, it's a ZK Polygon integration uh, ad. And I was like, damn, this is what mass adoption looks like. Um, but yeah, it was really super smooth. I mean, as you say, there was no need for someone to be there 12 hours a day losing their breath, explaining the same thing to people over and over again. I mean, that's kind of what we're used to, right? I mean, I've done it at Neocon. I did it for half a day at the, at the coffee booth. You basically, like, your finger has to touch the phone, the other person's phone screen to get to the end result, and that's not scalable. For me, the fact that you were, were in Lisbon, uh, and, and, you, and you did make an, an appearance on that feed, 
uh, well, surfing in Lisbon, I think. I was in uh, San we were... at the actual GP event pitching them this Minsta thing. So it was neat because I was seeing the APAC stuff funneling. And then I was going to like the CTO of, uh, of GP and all the, the higher ups in there going, okay, let's take a photo. And then having those folks go, no, I don't have time. Like, seriously, give me your phone. And then uh, having them create an account and mint a photo, like within less than 20 seconds, their brains like melted a little bit. So these are the moments that, that, that we're, we're striving for. Those quick, I don't have time to use your crazy blockchain technology and me just sort of going, I think you do. <laughs> we have 20, 20 seconds, let's do this. And that, that's, the, that's what we're looking for. Magic moments. <clears throat> Nate, on that thread, I can see some pretty hardcore devs in the audience. If they want to use this kind of technology, like how easy is it for them to integrate? I guess this would be a two-part question. The first one would be how easy would it be for them to integrate in the current existing application or flow? But the second one is, let's talk about composability. Like, for instance, with the existing near APAC feed, uh, I just shared in a tweet if you guys want to go check it out. There are some good photos in there. Could somebody come in and say, actually, I want to build like buttons, comments. I want to rank them. I want to whatever. You know, can people build on top of these, you know, data gathering applications? Uh, I'll give that to, to Joe. As I think I've taken a lot of wind. Is that a question for me particularly or? Maybe the first one. You can do how easy it is to integrate with new projects. So if an engineer is uh, listening and it sounds kind of spicy, yep, yep, yep. and then Joe can do the composability. So the, the funniest thing is Mintbase doesn't actually have the Mintbase wallet yet. Um, there's a reason for that is because it, at its core, it's a meta transaction relayer, which essentially you could go and buy a $300 you know, NFT using our system uh, so, and using our meta transaction. So by the end of this week, um, the goal is to get the Mintbase wallet into Mintbase where we can basically turn that meta transaction relayer off and you can use the onboarding, which we'll pay for, um, but then you actually pay with your own near, which gets us across the line, which is being able to buy NFTs with uh, Stripe and creating accounts uh, without needing any near very easily. So uh, the next big step is basically enabling developers and companies to uh, access a port where they can stick in their own near to basically pay for the meta transactions for their own NFTs. Imagine in Mintbase, I'm a company. I have six contracts that I've deployed. Uh, I put, uh, I mint all these NFTs. And basically I want to say anyone who buys and sells my minted NFTs off of this contract, I'm going to pay for their meta transactions. Um, and so we're going to have a little flag on the Mintbase market where some NFTs will be normal. Uh, you pay for the gas transaction. Some of them will be uh, paid for by Mintbase or by the company's uh, meta transaction relayer. So once we get, by the end of this week, we'll have Mintbase wallet into our system. But then once we extend that to you guys pay for your own meta transactions, uh, that's when the extensibility will start coming into play. I'm, I'm guessing by end of October, we'll be in that field. And hats off to Mr. Potato Head. Uh, he's the one who... Took a risk on us in uh, the, the Indian holiday uh, activation. Nate or Joe, if you could briefly explain to the muggles like myself, what does metro like what does a metro transaction mean in this context? Like basically, main base is paying for everything now, and then projects can choose to assume the cost for their users. Like like, can, can you unpack a little bit? Go for it, Joe. All right, can. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so and this uh, example is right. So it's like it's your gas fees and things like that, right? So every every transaction still has a, a fee tied to it, even if it's really you know minuscule. And so uh, this is just saying that all of those type of transactions are, are covered. So you don't have to sign anything because you know just to pay for gas or just pay for a small transaction fee. If you've ever done something on near, you might see like a, a signature will pop up to say like you know, this transaction is like less than 0.00001, you know, and so everything still costs something. And these are being covered by the relayer, in this case, either Mintbase or the company that's sponsoring it. Imagine getting a company like Disney and having the CEO come and mess around with your system and go, oh, I want to go do something on here. And then they go, oh, wait, you need 0.00001 near. And then him or her going, oh, shoot, I got to go to Coinbase, go get some, buy some near, put in my credit card details, go get, go get that near, pay for that one transaction. We just lost, like, that's a huge barrier, right? If we can remove that uh, for folks. And it, on the other side, same with Disney, if they roll something out and go, we don't want our customers to basically get blocked by this huge hurdle, just have them foot that bill um, and then off you go. And so this is where Mintbase credit system is going to start coming into play, where you can actually start buying credits to start paying for all the other stuff, uh, like the Arweave upload, storage for the mints, and all these other fun things. Okay, I, I think you just click for me. Metro transactions always made sense. I mean, that's the example that I give people. Like, if you want to provide an excellent user experience, you're not going to be petty and be like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you paid two cents you know you pay for everything that's how we do things where i was getting confused is because in this specific example the mint based wallet and the experience created for near apac which would be the product let's call it the end solution are one but like i said if say i deploy a solution at a university here in australia and i want to use the mint based wallet we could technically decouple, like it wouldn't be the main base wallet paying for all the transactions. It would be me as a project using that part of the infrastructure, yep. having the option to pay for all the transactions for all those users. Is that correct? Yep, offload it. So if you say, well, I think it's it's worth it for me to put a buck of near into a system to onboard, you know, I don't know, maybe 3,000 people, uh, then heck yeah, let's go and just make it, really simple for them to actually come in and start using using whatever it is you build i mean one dollar for three thousand people i don't know man this that, is some pretty hard math that math that, that, that math think. just came right out of my <laughs> my head yeah exactly that's your head <laughs> awesome well joe the mic is yours composability we've got a beautiful feed hundreds of photos taken at near apac what can we do with it yeah, so I, I think this this is where the beauty of like the open web and especially I think the ethos of everything that Mintface has done is that everything is fully composable, right? So we can go in and we can easily build on top of that between, you know, whether you use your own um, structures, you know, you know, calling contracts directly or using like Mintface's amazing indexer, right? Like you, like the tools are all there to start, you know, making your own, whether it's your own feed, your own system, you could essentially make your own version of that app and use that same data. Cause once you know what contract it's tied to, like that's easy. And so that's the, the strength here, both open web, but also specifically the way Mintbase is building everything 
and that's why we use i mean to to shout it out like we use minbase for a lot of our stuff right now because it's so easy to do you know all our verification checks are all going through minbase because we can reliably use that and we know that it's going to fit our needs and we can kind of bend it to what we need it to do and that's really again you know it's like a broken record that's what the open web is supposed to be about so uh that's what's that's the way to go bend it baby can we put this in the context of the blockchain operating system just to get some familiar wording around? Two questions, <laughs> like a true model. First one, Nate, I've noticed that the Minsta solution for near APAC uses Rweave, a storage solution. Mainbase has always used Rweave. That's something that we've discussed before and I really admire. At the moment, if you upload images to the uh, near social, they upload to IPFS. How would compatibility start to look like in that sense? Like, can we also display images from our weave in that news feed? Or what should people think about if they're thinking about creating some social experience around that? Micro would have to tell you why we're using IPFS. I think that uh, it's because we were actually doing, uh, the, in Denver, we did upload to IPFS on Boss because we had Minsta not only as its own DAP and its own Mintbase store, but we had a Boss component where you can actually mint through Boss. I think we used IPFS strictly because they did some sort of blocking of Rweave for whatever reason, or didn't load Rweave back in the day as a component. I think we fixed that. Uh, but also, I guess uh, storage doesn't really matter, right? It's just as long as you can find it within the token and you can uh, basically find where the metadata is, whether it's inside the token or stored on IPFS or Rweave. That part shouldn't matter as much. But yeah, we're a, we're a long time Arweave fans. I think the first actual NFT market to ever use Arweave. Joe, you've created your own custom gateway called Shard Dog Park, I believe. Sorry if I get it wrong. Could we hypothetically create a gateway called like near Apex Social or like, you know, whatever, Besties, Hangover? Just try to have almost like a community takeover and the people that participated in the conference and posted the photos we can reconnect after the fact after the world like is that the kind of composability that will be possible do we need a different component to be able to pull images from our weave because the existing one only does ipfs how much work would it be to to do something like that and i can see both someone from near vietnam and plug and and other hardcore boss developers in the space yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, there is certainly aspects here where, you know, you could absolutely do what you just said. Uh, the beauty of, you know, the flexibility of the boss and being able, and being able to run your own gateway, you could absolutely do that. You could gate it based off of whether it's owning one of these NFTs or whether it's interacting with the contract. I mean, there's a lot of different flexibility there. You do have to make some of your own custom components. But again, I think where we're at right now is if you're really able to fork a lot of stuff that already exists to get you going faster. That's what we've done a lot at Shardog. Um, and I think that's what most people could really do to kind of jump out there and kind of get that going. Where I think if you just had to build that website from scratch, it's going to take you 10 times as long as you being able to reuse components and do a little bit of your own customization and get it out the door. Yep. Minsta will be open source to, I always say two weeks, but yeah, we're, we're targeting Minsta to be basically forkable very quickly. Mañana, mañana. mañana. Oh, dude, that's amazing. 
and just to confirm uh, both Nat and Joe, if any other devs want to come up, just send a request. If I am building a new gateway, you know, near APAC, after party, whatever, I want to have a lot of social interactions around these photos. Say, out of the 10 components needed for my optimal experience, six exist and I have to build four. Are the four components that my team uh, building, are they open source by default? Like, are they added to a repository of components? And I guess that grows naturally? Or, you know, how do we hit that flywheel where with every new iteration we keep adding to the, to the pool? Yeah, so it is open source by default. Um, that is definitely how that all works. I mean, right now there is not really like a license-based or private repository. Um, but that's, again, that's a kind of like a superpower right now as we're getting going. And I think as you start to look forward, you know, and if you were building more of a business, sure, you might look at trying to do some stuff more privately. But no, all, all that stuff would be open source by default. Amazing. And Nate, do you see the Minsta application that will be open source in two weeks? Do you see that as something that a team could take and basically develop as a, I guess, more robust solution and a, like an ongoing business? Or is that just like a small tinkering experiment? And if so, do you have any ideas of ways in which people could leverage this stack that you're making available with a wallet and onboarding? in ways that could lead to a more robust startup. Let's call it an investable it's, venture. It's just a, a stepping stone uh, into where we're trying to get, which is mass adoption. And we, we use that word a lot, but it's a stepping stone, right? It's We can onboard random people without us being there. That's a success. Let's open source it and move on to the next thing. Uh, to see Minsta grow uh, organically would be... Amazing, uh, because our true dream is really always comes down to affiliate direct, which is our system. If you buy an NFT through the mint-based market uh, and you put your affiliate symbol on there, uh, link or near name, you'll get uh, half of the market feed directly to you. And the core of that really comes down to we want builders to be able to build their own applications and buy NFTs in their own UIs and their own systems without having to deal with uh, smart contracts uh, without having to deal with indexers and all the other really complex stuff that we are trying to offload. So for us, it's uh, we really cannot get to affiliate direct because a lot of builders have kind of left. So how do we get builders to build on a near ecosystem when there's, there's not a lot of builders on the near ecosystem? That's the, the sad kind of truth that we're trying to work with. So right now it's how do we deal with onboarding to get the users? Once you get the users, then you get the developers. And this is sort of the stepping stone of us going in that direction. So for us to keep Minsta private would be pretty absurd. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we just need users. Users using it, finding interesting, creative ways to, to build off of it. I think that's a great point about like keeping it as much as you can open right now in order to just allow more people to come in and build it. And that's the, the strength. When I talk to people about the boss is that being able to say, hey, look, this is all open source. You can fork any component. You can get up and running, you know, whether you want to use somebody else's gateway or whether you want to, you know, roll your own for, you know, really, really cheap to actually get that going. 
is is really a powerful example of how you could actually get more people involved. And then that's really what a larger vision really would look like. Because if I go to another chain and again, like not to keep picking on like Ethereum or any one other one, the ability to actually like get involved and actually build a functional product is a lot bigger um, ask. And that learning curve is a lot larger where here, I mean, you can be a reactive and just come in and uh, start building an actual on-chain product. And so uh, it, it's, it's almost like too powerful. And so you kind of really need to start giving pathways for people. Um, but yeah, the more open source right now, the better for all this. Plug, welcome to the stage. The floor is yours. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I think we've discussed this in the past, but I kind of wanted to, uh, to outline or ask like what's kind of the difference between uh, like a fast off implementation and kind of like the, the mint base um, implementation of other transactions. Like I know like Luis kind of implemented an, an own way of doing the relayer. Like, can, can you kind of explain like what that difference is? Uh, not much of a difference. We're coming to the same conclusion. We just got to a point where we can't wait for fast off to get, you know, deployed to other dApps. Right now, I think you can only use fast off for boss, right? It doesn't help mint base a lot. So we're just sitting here going, okay, we need users now. We have a Stripe uh, system that we want to basically fully open up where anyone can connect their accounts. And then uh, users can purchase anyone's NFTs for a credit card, Apple Pay, or whatever. Uh, but we got blocked by this whole onboarding process. So we built this just out of uh, sheer need of needing it now. And in blockchain, you really can't wait for people, right? Someone says it's going to come out in two weeks. You better believe it's going to be three or four months before it actually comes out. It's not their fault. It's just that's the nature of pioneering and pain. So uh, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, hats off to, I mean, like we said, we use uh, one of their libraries that allows us to create the private key uh, through passkey that was built by Pagoda. So a portion of MintBase wallet is Pagoda. It's just a, uh, another, another implementation um, kind of going for the same thing, except we're not using email uh, backup systems. I know that email is really important to the Bogota team and that that sort of world. So I think that's the, the biggest difference for us right now today. It's we're kind of going the other route, which is save that sucker to passkey, biomet thing. If you want to get out of the MintBase ecosystem, you can export it, uh, export your keys and import it into uh, Meteor. That's kind of our goal one. And then goal two is the uh, okay, maybe we go down the uh, email path to really secure their wallet in case they, you know, don't have their passkey saved the cloud or lose their phone. Because that's obviously another issue. But you have issues both ways, right? People don't actually save their, you know, twelve words. There's your, there's an issue. Like nothing's perfect. You just got to go. Nate, I really admire the proactivity, proactiveness in just getting out there and getting users. I'd love to get everyone's thoughts on this really weird paradox of the more smooth the experience gets, the more shallow the interaction with the user. Almost like in a in a very real physical way, if you have a mode, you know, even if it's a bad mode, like really shit user experience, you know when the user is inside the application or inside the ecosystem. 
The challenge that we're facing now with applications like Sweat, Kai Kai in Singapore, Play Ember, are really smooth user experiences, but the user is not even aware that they're using Near. And then we just got to think of how do we cross-pollinate them across the ecosystem? Or, you know, we could very broadly ask, you know, what counts as a user really? Yeah, and my question with all those transactions is, what are those transactions being paid in? Is it all subsidized transactions? Because if that's the case, then I don't know. Where, where's the value in a lot of those transactions? It's nice to see billions of transactions, but if it's all subsidized, I just I can't really grasp the value of it. Anyone else can help help with that? Yeah. I'm, oh, you go. I was actually asking exactly that question and you're at this, like if they can provide analytics regarding like what are uh, subsidized transactions, like where is, are, is the money coming from? And then like what level of uh, progressive custody for these addresses are, uh, are happening? They, they took notes. So that would be really cool to see that in a dashboard. Right. Yeah, I think if I were a very shrewd businessman, uh, this is in general, I would make it free, make it a fundamental part of the business flow so that they don't have the luxury to walk away and then I start charging them. Um, I don't think it's very hard to follow the money. Sweatcoin has a validator with 11 million near. Um, Cosmos has been given a validator as well. It's got over a million near. We are definitely paying for it. When I say we, I mean the community. I don't think it's a bad thing to pay for it. I do think that we should have an incentive there for, you know, any motherfucker that can bring me 1 million users, you get the bounty money. But definitely there needs to be some uh, some insights into what are the applications, who are the users, how can we replicate it, how can we make it accrue value to other pieces of the ecosystem. Um, yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I could, you know, create transactions from mouse scrolls, right? You know, the more your mouse scrolls on an X and Y uh, of our users, the more transactions it makes. And that's how many pixels we can, you know, show everybody that we, we create a lot of pixel transactions. That's my, uh, that's what I'm going to build. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, Joe has to jump off in one minute. Joe, do you have any parting words? Joe's gone. Damn, too slow. Well, um, apologies. I think we didn't give him enough uh, mic time. It's been an hour, but I do have a little bit more time if you guys want to hang around. Um, yeah, Nate, I think that the combination between transactions and users, I don't know if there's a set formula because I had this conversation with the Open Forest guys and they're looking at potentially having very large TVL just by the numbers of the you know, carbon credit projects that they're looking of, of securing, but the frequency of transactions and maybe even the number of users is actually not that high. So I'm not sure if there's like a one size fits all. I think that at the moment, the way that I describe it is, I think the foundation basically just went out in keep the chain alive mode, large deals, lots of users, lots of transactions. They may not really be the most high value users of transactions, we just need something to prove to the world, A, that the chain is not dead, B, what it is capable of, and C, now we go out there and get, you know, the smart, ambitious, open-minded builders to really think of something cool. <laughs> I don't know if that assessment resonates with other people, but I think that's where we're at. Sure.
Let's go. <laughs> let's keep building. All right. I, I, yeah, developer communities, guys. We how do let's get that up and running. Build, build, build. Well, um, Nate, in a in an attempt to reverse engineer, uh, you know, from the product and the user back into the the current tech stack, I did have an idea. And I love that you didn't read the agenda that I sent because then it's going to be a novel idea as I present it. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is brainstorming. Don't take it too seriously. I'm going to pitch the idea. Everyone's going to say it's great. And then we can go through a very quick flow of how it would be built. I want to have a rough idea of complexity, what's already there, et cetera. Are you guys ready? Yep. Let's go. Okay. So let's build proof of branch. Proof of branch is an application very similar to Minsta. Um, if you go to the comment on this space, you can see the shared feed uh, that was used for near APAC. Proof of branch has special social features. You go to a cafe and you take a photo of your branch. And then there's a bunch of data attached to that photo. Location, date, um, you can build reputation of, as your user, whatever you, you, you accumulate avocados as reputation, and then you rate the branches. And ideally, we can have a lovely community of people that are out there in search of the best brunch and cafe experiences. If we think of that social, uh, of that, you know, application for the masses with simple, you know, social experiences, etc., how much of it do you think could be done with the existing stack? Are there any things that jump out at you that you would recommend the team to pay attention to? I mean, yeah, Minsta, just repackage that thing. And then, uh, so this is where the financial side could be, right? It's uh, so maybe breakfast places want uh, to get more people activated uh, into getting their brunches and maybe they're able to aggregate all the different smart contracts that are tagged with a brunch piece. And then people are mincing their, their, their brunching and, but where's the, the funding come in, right? There has to be a financial incentive. It can't just be, uh, well, I, I love that you bring up the financial side because this is where I feel like we always fall short in web three. I do think that it is perfectly feasible for a cafe to actually pay to have their food promoted to other people who then come and rate it. And this is where the value of reputation comes in. You know, I may not be interested in taking brunch recommendations from a vegan because I'm not vegan or from someone that whatever, you know, we may just have different preferences. Sorry. But also you can really build the value of brand. It's you a, can say, you know what? It's a punch. We're going to create the global brunch awards. It's a, which capital in the world is going to take the brunch capital of the world? Uh, which cafe, the best cafe in the city? You know, who has the best fucking avocados? Like, you can really create a sense of identity and, and a movement around it. You could even go as simple as uh, a punch, right? You can uh, take 10, 10 mints, does, that means you've been there 10 different days because we can timestamp the. Uh, the spot, and then Minsta would actually record the location. Mintbase already has this uh, Google location stamp. And then you take your picture of your brunch, maybe a little selfie with your brunch. And then if you do that 10 times at a certain cafe, the third one is, uh, is, is redeemable for an extra brunch. Easy. 
Oh my god, that's amazing! You can actually do like brunch wars. Brunch wars. If you've had three brunches that's... at three venues, you can come eat at mine for free. Oh, but <laughs> and then you could gamify where you could be like, "Oh, you ate, you ate at our competing brunch, so that actually takes one brunch away from you. So you you don't get a free brunch here because you're cheating on us with uh, super brunches." And at some point, we just tell them like, "Hey, you're fat." Time to go to sweat coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how we cross pollinate. There we oh, go. Yeah. Love it. I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's fun enough to get a young team. I got a, to I got a random thing I want to mention because there's a bunch of players in this room. Uh, y'all, uh, y'all want to do a kind of traction hackathon soon? Anytime, any day. I'm there. Dog, mint base, keep on. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, let's go. Alright, I'm in the I'm in the DMs. I'm in the DMs. Hackbox is launching, so I think it's a good opportunity, you know, outside boss components to really uh push this uh onboarding narrative. Get weird with amazing meta transactions. Shield. Yeah, I mean uh, amazing shield. The, yeah, I'm gonna like send details just... soon. But what, what's up what, what's up, Shark Dog with Layer One? Down? Not down? Man, you down? Alright, okay, okay, okay. Oh it. man, I wish Kent was here. Kent was here earlier. He's trying to Bro, you slept in? Now, but uh, I, that's all I gotta say. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that's an amazing idea. I'm definitely down. Um, for people listening that may not have caught the news recently, the developer hub, DevHub, um, just released Hackbox, which is a set of tools to enable anyone anywhere in the world to run a hackathon. So if you're listening and you want to do something with your local university, with your local co-working space, with a bunch of derelict people that you picked up on the street, you should be able to do it. Is and, anyone saying uh, anything? It's mad, it's mad silent up in here. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Nate, can you hear me? I can hear. Hello, hello, hello. I'm, I'm in hearing, hearing location. Is it coming off? Nope, can't hear. Okay, I'm not sure if uh, Plug could hear me, but um, awesome. So, proof of brunch, bro, let's make it happen. I'm already hungry. <laughs> brunch wars. And the other thing, um, I'm not sure if Plug can hear me, but I honestly love these. Wait, so is nobody of- saying anything, or is it like, what's, what's the vibe? Oh, yeah, he's lost me. Uh, it happens to me all the time in Australia. I think I'm being discriminated against. Let me just send him a quick message. Um, but yeah, I, I love these spaces. I think that Is we, it just we, Nate saying that I can hear? But like no one's saying it? I'm confused. What's going on? What? <laughs> you got like a big delay? I could, I could, did you not hear? You can't hear ABB? I can hear ABB. Who, did, who said what? Who's on third? Bro, that's Elon Musk saying that we've gone over our time allowance. <laughs> What's on in second? Okay, Nate, can you hear me now? Yep, 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 yep. I am super rude, but I removed plug as a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's just gonna um, get out and join back up. Uh-huh. I was just saying that I, I love having these spaces where we talk about product and just ideation, you know. Um, if we build off each other's half-baked ideas, we're going to end up with an amazing cake. And, yeah, I would personally like to see Proof of Brunch. So if anyone of the devs on the, on the space wants to follow up, I am down. 
All right, hold us to it. Minsta will be open sourced uh, by the end of next week, Friday, uh, maybe with or without trans meta transaction mobility. We'll see. Awesome. And when you say open source, I guess that obviously the code becomes available. What's the documentation like for that? Like, would it be ready to run for a team that is interested or should they DM you to try to experiment? Yeah, it's pretty neat. So it's this new direction we're heading as well. So you can add mentors to your contract, right? And what that is, is kind of nuts because you can actually add custom smart contracts as your mentor. So a contract could be, uh, so basically you deployment-based store, um, you redeploy a front-end code, which takes less than five minutes on Vercel. Uh, and then you add a, your mentor. Your mentor will essentially be our relayer that does the, uh, it's a funded account that pays for the transactions. So the setup time should be less than 20 minutes uh, to actually get your own Minsta running. So that's the, that's the, the hope. I hope this is not inappropriate, but um, is there any information coming out as well, or is there going to be another round of mid base grants? Oh man, we're hoping it's taken a little bit of time on there on all sorts of sides, but uh, we're thinking by uh, we've done everything we could at this point, and so now it's uh, on to the NF side to make the final decision on where that heads. So uh, either yes or no. That is the, the answer. But we've. Uh... I think that you need to definitely get the team to you know send them like a wink, wink, notch, notch on this latest wallet improvement and all the capabilities that you guys are bringing on board. Because I would imagine that the range of applicants on the type of projects would be quite different. I don't know. I may be biased. That's with certain type of NFTs, but that's the hard part, right? I mean, we've been doing this for how many years now, and we haven't like really had a gazillion transactions happen. So we've been really just chiseling away at this really hard concrete brick for a long time. And that could you can look at that both two different ways. One that we will never make it over the bridge because we've been cranking so long, or two. Uh, let's go on to the next shiny object of people that can promise a gazillion users. And that's, that's kind of the, the tough nutshell of what we've got. So we're, we're still cranking along and we feel like we have put all the pieces together, the AI, the wallet, the meta transactions, the marketplace, the creator suite. I mean, there's just so much stuff, the indexer, the mint based JS, the, uh, all these different little components, the R we've upload bundler. Uh, and we feel like we can really pull these all together, the Stripe integration, right? So that's that's the the big argument uh, that we'll be uh, trying to persuade them to say, hey, we've done a lot, and now it's time to for us to really put together another grants program because it's a learning experience, right? You're not going to launch a grants program and do it perfectly. Launching a grants program is really tough. You have to learn about how are we going to handle taxes, how are we going to handle the the KYC, how are we going to handle uh, the the transparency pieces, how do we handle like keeping the groups involved and engaged and building. It's a lot of learning, and it would be a, a massive shame to take all the sort of learnings and not be able to uh, move it into where we think we're heading. Because it takes a lot of time to build these things up. And, yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, it, it's, it's a multi-sided marketplace. Funding is needed, but it needs to come in at the right time. And then you need to have the right tech stack to enable people to build something right. And 
perhaps the most often overlooked part of the equation is you need to be able to reach the right audience, quote unquote, you know, ambitious people with ideas that when presented with the right tech stack, they can really take it to the next level. That's what a lot of people don't realize about grants. We don't give grants to the people that can build what we think it's great. Like if, if we think it's great, we just build it ourselves. Like we're basically giving out grants almost like blind because it is really up to people to come up with the great ideas. I, I think that you guys have done an amazing job at creating all this infra. You know, there's always more that can be done to make people aware of all the infra that is available. That's the hard part. Um, that's the, that's the part that we're in now. And that's why we need to hire more BD and marketing folks. And we're still 85% engineering and so we are making that shift now uh we just hired our first pd actually two months ago a month ago so we are making the the effort to get into this new articulation stage here's what you can do with all this stuff amazing well i am uh, technically always in the market and i'll be collaborating Let's closer go. with BitHub to start giving more visibility to that tech side of things have you guys ever considered doing like smaller hackathons with like universities or like smaller communities just to put the tech in their hands and see how they play with it? Yes. Uh, so the, the biggest problem with, with that is, I mean, I feel like if we really want to be effective to all these hackathons, we have to go there and be part of the process. Uh, but we don't do a lot of conferences, as you know. I think Mint-based team, we basically go to ETH Lisbon uh, or the Lisbon one, and we went to ETH Paris, and I think I personally went to Anyways, we don't do a lot of conferences. Um, so I think us switching from building heads down mode to let's actually get out there and do the hackathons. I think that's, that's a great idea. Yep. I mean, uh, living in Europe is a massive luxury. <laughs> you travel 300 kilometers and you're in nine different countries. Right. <laughs> I travel 300 <laughs> kilometers and I've left my house. Um, <laughs> you can do it hyper-local. Like I met an amazing team of Portuguese students at Neocon. I should actually reach out to them, see if they're going to attend this year. And uh, yeah, you don't really have to travel that far or, or spend that much money. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But sir, I got to get going to the to the next the next uh, next call is coming up. Oh shit! I forgot that you work. <laughs> yeah, I gotta gotta get on that. But thank you so much for Bye. the time. Uh, really excited to figure out all the other pieces and stay tuned. No, thank you so much for joining and thanks everyone for staying well over the hour. Near is a builder's blockchain. Let's get all these amazing tools on the hands of amazing builders and uh, take over the moon and beyond. Yep. And then uh, give uh, Microchip GNU a follow uh, if you really want to stay close to the beat of the uh, wallet. He's been driving a lot of that innovation uh, at the core. So uh, he's there. He's the one. Yeah, microchip is solid gold. There's also the Banyan Collective, um, YouTube, uh, Proximity, Near Horizon. There's several accounts that are sharing things consistently. I mean, obviously, uh, Mintbase. That, yeah, I, I think that we could do a better job at highlighting. Cool. Awesome. Well, friends, I think we can wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for joining. We'll try to have this more often and we'll make sure that we have time for people to jump in and ask questions and just ramble for a bit towards the end next time cool thank you sir see you bye bye